Welcome to That's All, a weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cozzy and M. I'm Em. And I'm Cozzy. And today we are bringing you something a little bit different. Just a little change from the normal, regular scheduled programming, as we said last week that we would be doing. So we are bringing you our very first deep dive. There are topics that we could talk about for 10 million years. And we are. We are. This is where we're delving into things, we're spending an entire hour on the things that we want to talk about instead of an allotted 20 minutes because we love to unpack things we're women and we ask questions and this week we're going to be talking about one of the most influential television shows of our lives and of the 2000s today we're talking about gossip girl there's so much to unpack honestly like the fashion the characters the plot and like the city itself new york which really does become its own character in the show so very excited to just Spend an hour shit talking the scandalous lives of Manhattan's elite. For those of you who don't know anything about Gossip Girl, here's the fall on one. The show centers around a group of uber privileged teenagers living in Manhattan whose lives are followed and kind of commentated by an anonymous blogger aptly named Gossip Girl. Love her. XOXO. XOXO. Gossip Girl. It's all you need to know. It's six seasons long and was filmed between 2007 and 2012 and was based on Books of the same name written by Cecily von Zygazar. They're super different though. Did you ever read the books? I read the first one and it was just so bizarre. Like there are things like uh, Serena has an older brother. It wigged me out. And like Je- the one thing that got me that I mainly remember is Jenny has brown curly hair. Oh. And I was like, Jenny doesn't have brown curly hair, my, my sweet angel. And I'm like, no, she's the one who like created it. If Jenny wants to have curly brown hair, she'll have curly brown hair. Real Jenny has a platinum mop. Books, very different. And I even Chuck, he had both parents in the books was interesting because like Mm. his whole shtick is basically his mummy issues in the show so true yeah and then that's not even a part of the original story so i think it's a safe assumption that most girls between the ages of like 17 or even like 15 between 15 and 40 have seen this show like it's something i reference all the time with my friends all the time with like my sister and it somehow just transcended that entire era yeah it was released in so before we get into that Cassie, tell me about your connection to the wonderful show that is Gossip Girl. I will. Okay, so as you just said, you said it's safe to say that that people between the age of 17 and around 40 have seen it. So both of my parents have seen it and my aunt. I started watching it in 2009. I was 12 turning 13, which is quite young to be watching (laughs) that show. So I was quite young. From my memory, my aunt Paula was watching it like when it was on Fox 8. I remember my mum being like, you're a bit young to watch it. But Paula was like, it's so good. It's amazing. It's the best show. And then I started watching it with my dad. I remember watching it. It's a bit rogue, like considering the content, watching it with my dad. But watching TV together is like our thing. So it it does make total sense within the context of the family. And I still think that when you're watching things as a kid, there are some things that you're just not going to get. It's not that it's a bad influence on you. But you're just instead focused on the glitz and the glamour and that was the thing. And I was like, it's just... I I want to see these people having fun in New York and wearing lovely clothes. And it sort of had everything I was interested in. Fashion, music, hot people, just the the whole sort of shebang. So I started watching it with my dad. I really just started loving it. And I think for me personally, the first two seasons are practically perfect. I think that they're perfect. And I remember freaking out at the end of season two. All I wanted was more info about what was going to happen. And I remember my dad sending me an article that had like paparazzi photos from the season three premiere when they're at the Hamptons and Blair's wearing this kind of weird like seafoam green dress with like this weird purpley pink hat. And he sent me the article and he was like, season, like first look at season three. And I so distinctly remember that. My main memories of like the latest season, season three was Hilary Duff cameoing 
And when she and Dan and Vanessa have a threesome and I remember watching it and I was like, thank God me and dad aren't watching it together yeah. anymore because I don't think I could have dealt with it. Like, I think I remember watching it at his house and he had just hadn't gotten up in the morning yet. Oh, and I was okay. like, thank God. Thank God. Thank it, God this timing has worked out. for a reason. But my mum watches it and loves it. And she's, as we'll discuss later, she's very uh, Lily Vanderwoodson. But I knew about like the New York social scene from magazines and from like my mum as well, who had like a, has a real knowledge of it. But it was the first time where I was like, okay, these people are supposed to be only a few years older than me. And like, this is what they have and what their lives are. And it was the first time I'd seen New York portrayed like that too, because I feel like I'd only ever seen it like quite limited in films. And so often in films, it's actually filmed in LA and they just do exterior shots in New York. But this, this show was all in New York the whole time. And it felt very, I know that they're all like supposed to be horrible people and they just do drugs and whatever. But I was like, this is aspirational. (laughs) I was like, I want these clothes. I want what they have. And I was so obsessed with um, particularly Dan and Serena in the first two seasons. I think it was the first time that I'd like shipped something. I didn't know what it was to ship, which is basically to like want two characters to get together. That's my memory. So it was very much brought into the family. (laughs) And then all of my friends were watching it as well. And I I remember there was a girl at my high school one of my friends at the time and we would like meet on this bench outside like the main hall of our school and we would call it this like the steps to the met and I was s and she was b <laughs> I think we only did it a few times because it was just a bit cringe but I really I remember doing that why were you s because I was obsessed with Serena because okay. I was like I need to be with Dan because I was thinking Blair and Serena really set the blonde brunette friendship yeah And so this is something that we need to talk about as well. I think I feel like I've spent so much of my life hours just working out that friendship dynamic and seeing how it applies to real life friendship groups. And like, are you more of a Blair? Are you more of a Serena? What does that mean about you? Where do you sit in your friendship group based on these characters? Which is so, it might sound stupid, but I think it's actually a very interesting thing because I think everyone has their opinions about their friendship in particular, which we will talk about. But what about you? When did you start watching? What was your sort of relationship to the show? I started watching in 2013. So this was after it had aired and I didn't have to wait. Oh, you didn't even. Oh my God. You didn't start watching till 2013. No. So I wow. was able to binge it all. Oh my God. That would be such a different experience. It was. And I think wow. you cannot put a price on that because some of the cliffhangers at the end of the seasons, you need to be able to just flick right over. I remember. I so, remember waiting. Like TV was different then, obviously, and social media was different then. I wasn't mm. on TikTok. I wasn't seeing spoilers at all. Were you on Tumblr? I was on Tumblr, but I wasn't on like pop culture Tumblr. I was more on like aesthetic. Oh, okay. I think I was on a, I think I was sort of on all of them because it was, I was like, there were definitely Gossip Girl gifts on my Tumblr. I think I, I had like the odd reference photo, but most of my okay. Tumblr was that like dark grunge yeah you were that girl you were that tumblr girl i was annoying so i started watching it when i when i turned 14 as well which i think was the perfect age to understand i I was a little bit too young but we got there we got there and we've rewatched. like i think i've rewatched it once a year i don't think i've rewatched the whole thing ever i've rewatched the first two seasons and i've watched part bits and bobs but i've never done a full rewatch never done no I think that's healthy because there are some seasons and episodes that are just like a little bit less. Yeah. I just think I could watch the first two seasons and like that would be, could be it for me. Yeah. But obviously so much more happens, but just them being at school and like that era is so nostalgic for me. Even in 2013, that was kind of my first taste of the zeitgeist, like 
what mm. is cool and I appreciated the spectacle of it all I appreciated the acting and the actors and even just the impact of the show I was at that age where I could start appreciating it so it was definitely my introduction into the world of socialites and the kind of wealth where you literally have no concerns in the world yeah. and I think growing up in Australia it was it was so far-fetched from what I knew and what Mm. anyone else around me knew didn't feel real I came to learn that this is genuinely what some people are like and what some people's lives are like so I I was obsessed with it because of that because it was so far from anything I'd known yeah you use the word aspirational it was aspirational it was it totally was something about the glitz of it all yeah I wanted that it was scandalous Obviously not all the bad parts, like a lot of not other bad, bad shit went on as well, but all of the good, like, yeah, the fashion, the like some of the houses, the apartments, the lifestyle, I think overall minus totally the bad shit. Minus the morally questionable things, but it was a perfect combination of drama, romance, mm. delusion. That's actually so true. All of those things that I think make a good TV show and get me hooked. Also, the writing was really good. I don't think it got worse over time. Oh, I no. I think, think that, it was pretty constant. I think there were characters that got worse over time. Yeah. But I think the writing was constantly on point. And I think Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, uh, who were the creators and executive producers of Gossip Girl, and they also created the OC, which was obviously such a huge deal in the early 2000s. Like, the writing on the OC was so sharp, so then it, it makes total sense that, like, it would continue in Gossip Girl. And, like, so many, like, zingy one-liners, so many things people still quote so many iconic moments I, I agree like the scripting never went bad it was just some characters I was like why are you here, are you, here? Uh, you mentioned the OC and I think that this show was a real moment in time like for me oh, it was absolutely. part of the same wave as like Vampire Diaries and Teen Wolf and Pretty Little Liars and those mm. those teen dramas where there were relationships and and they're all like 25 playing yeah, yeah teenagers they're all like yeah. 25 and they're like totally. oh, I'm so pubescent and going through these hardships and dating my teachers and yeah whatnot. and but they're like all CW shows which is the um, network in America where Gossip Girl was on but basically all sorts of like teen shows but there was also the earlier crowd like One Tree Hill the OC as you said yeah. obviously and even like the hills it was all about aspiration and delusion and love and sex and all those things yeah i think this generation of tv has not been beaten no it set the pace for every other part of teendom the the cw was such a moment in time i feel like gossip girl for me like predated my obsession with pretty little lies and teen wolf which were like my two big ones in high school pretty little lies was like seven years of my life (laughs) for what i well exactly maybe we'll do a pretty little lies episode i think we should a lot yeah for me gossip girl was the first like teen show that i'd really watched other than like blue water high or whatever but that's different obviously the, this first sort of aspirational international show it really was also like showing teens doing bad things and they loved doing it and we loved watching it and there was yeah as you said like quite a bit of like sex drugs and rock and roll it's a really great story the parents television council in america blasted the show basically calling it every parent's nightmare not my parents though because we were all watching it together but parents television council blasted the show yes yeah, saying it was a nasty piece of work every parent's nightmare and, and all of these like very dramatic things and very like satanic panic vibes of them but then the show used all of those quotes in an advertising campaign and like had these huge billboards of like Serena making out with a guy and then underneath it would say every parent's worst nightmare and then like Blair and Chuck making out and being like nasty piece of work that's genius and it was so good it was like the best marketing campaign I'd ever seen it was bad but it wasn't like skins level even now like euphoria I literally was about to be like it's not euphoria level I think the only thing that could probably stand up to that sort of criticism like Gossip Girl did is probably euphoria 
Yeah. But Euphoria is basically just skins for the new generation. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Gossip Girl really, I think, changed things for everyone and for all of that cast as well because they, apart from Blake Lively, none of them really had profiles. And Blake Lively barely had a profile. She'd just done um, Sister of the Travelling Pants, but other than that, somewhere between... Sister of the Travelling Pants and Gossip Girl, she got a nose job. So she was ready for she was ready for stardom. She was ready for fame. But there was a lot going on, speaking of like lively, a lot going on behind the scenes as well, right? Absolutely. As with any kind of 2000s show, yeah. behind the scenes were allegedly a bit chaotic. And literally any show now though, this is I feel like we've had this conversation where it's like we could never be actors. Because I would just I would just fall in love with the people who I'm literally supposed to be. If I'm have, supposed to be having a relationship on camera, I will fall in love with that person. If I have to act in love with someone, I'm going to be in love with them. Like how do you not? It's just going to happen. Yeah, I'm exactly. So I'm like, so it's no wonder that like this shit always happens. And there was plenty of intercast dating. Mm. So the biggest one was Penn Badgley and Blake Lively, as in Dan and Serena I dated. Was so upset when they broke up. They dated in the show and in real life. Allegedly, they kept it secret from everyone, so the crew didn't actually know that they'd broken up. And that was from 2007 until 2010. And in the following year, Blake Lively was linked to Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, I remember when she went on his boat. Weird little thing. And then the same year, she met her now husband, Ryan Reynolds. Oh my God, on um, the Green Lantern set. Yes. That cursed movie. I've still never seen it. No, and I don't think I will. But Penn Badgley went on to date Domino Kirk, who is... Jemima Kirk's sister, as in Jessa from Girls, or the headmistress in sex education when the school goes to... And they wear, like, those green uniforms. Yeah, that yeah. girl. But, yeah, I learned that fact from Cozzy the day we decided to do this podcast, so I'm popping it in here. I love Penn Badgley. I remember when he dated Zoe Kravitz. This is based on Blind Items, so do take it. it with a grain of salt. I'm going to do a Cozzy right now. everything I say is from Blind Items. Allegedly, he wasn't happy early on in his marriage and cheated on Domino with Zoe again. Really? Never been confirmed. Also on the relationship front, Matthew Settle, who played Rufus Humphrey, and Kelly Rutherford, who played Lily Vanderwoodson, also reportedly dated. I love that that happened. Maybe. Me too. Reportedly. So they were like long lost lovers in the show in oh, season one. So good. It's so good. It's They're so, so good. good. And then... Apparently, they became really close friends after they both went through divorces in the same year. Classic. And then they were on and off, but not very public. So we don't know. There's lots of photos of them them. together. And they look coupley. They look beautiful together. And Leighton Meester as well, Queen Blair, was with Sebastian Stan. Odd. Yeah, that's another one where I think, oh, you must have kissed in the show and then gone. Because they did work. actually get together in the show briefly. Yeah. I remember when Blair goes dark or whatever. Like yeah. she goes evil. Goes to the she, I mean, she's already evil, but like more evil. On that, in 2014, Leighton released her debut album, Heartstrings, because she's a multi-talented queen. She told listeners that the song Heartstrings was about, quote, some stupid breakup that I had when I was 25 or earlier which is a little bit vague. Very vague. But the song includes the lyrics. You took me for granted all the time and also had to save my own self from your your evil games. So subtle. And people just assume that's about Sebastian Stan because she was like 24. Right. And so Sebastian Stan, this was like pre-Marvel stuff. So he played um, a character called Carter Bazin in the show who shows up at various points, like in season one for a bit, season three for a bit. 
and throughout he's kind of like this rich boy but then he kind of goes off the grid and he hates material things but he kind of comes back every so often he's such an enigma he's such an enigma yeah but he comes back every so often to like kind of be annoying and at one point in the show carter and blair kind of hook up I can't really remember the context around it. I must go back. I think she was trying to get back at like Chuck for something and Serena for something. And it was all petty and out of spite as she does. But she is now married to Adam Brody, who played Seth Cohen in The O.C. Beautiful. Feels like a two worlds colliding. Yeah. The Josh Schwartz, Stephanie Savage cinematic universe. Speaking of characters that we don't like so much. Ed Westwick, who played Chuck and Jessica Zor. Zor? I never know how to pronounce her last name. Or whatever Vanessa, they dated on and off for a few years and split for good in 2010. Ed Westwick was also accused of rape and sexual assault by four women in 2017 and 2018. He wasn't charged due to insufficient evidence, but he got dropped from quite a few projects at that time. He was supposed to star in like a murder mystery show that I was really excited about, and then they they'd filmed the whole thing and then they recast the role and then they like that new actor filmed just like separate bits but yeah he wasn't charged and which is pretty customary for sexual assault cases so it's a bit of a like rough one there but yeah nothing's ever happened and he's still very active on social media and recently did you see he saw lily not lily um kelly rutherford in like can or wherever it was venice kelly rutherford plays his stepmother it's kind of their redeeming storyline i feel it was look at these two ruthless in every other aspect but they have a heart they love each other and chuck like hated lily at first and then and she's the only one who ever calls him Charles <laughs> I don't know I just thought that was cute but yeah so that that happened and Penn Badgley apparently like hated the show while he was on it yeah he apparently just didn't like the show I think he was doing that classic thing of going oh it's just so frivolous and silly mm. I think more recently we've seen Jacob Elordi do that with the kissing booth where oh. they kind of write these things off as being sugary girls things but it's also like I'm sorry Jacob Elordi would you have a career without the kissing booth would and I'm sorry like would Penn Badgley have the same career other than Gossip Girl like he doesn't have a whole lot of a career outside of Gossip Girl no he's got you which is only in the past few years but other than that I saw him in Easy A he was in John Tucker Must Die that was pre-Gossip Girl all of the other films that I've seen him in post-Gossip Girl pretty romantic pretty yeah of the same vibe there's a funny quote attributed to Josh Safran who was a writer on Gossip Girl and he's talking about how Penn Badgley detested the show and he said Penn didn't like being on Gossip Girl but he was Dan he may not have liked it but his character was the closest to who he was I kind of get that though because he basically is Dan he's brooding he's sarcastic and he's kind of wounded and he's got a chip on his shoulder which I hate I hate characters with chips on their shoulders I find it a really irritating quality in the same vein Blake Lively also told Alua in 2015 that the show was personally compromising And she was basically just saying that she was so different to Serena in real life. But when audiences see you play someone for 127 episodes, they think that's who you are. Yeah, which is like fair. But also difficult for her and difficult for those actors because then, yeah, you become typecast as like who you are. And she almost turned down the role of Serena to begin with because she wanted to go to college at the time. And so... What are you going to do at college? What are you going to do? The producers said that she could go one day a week to Columbia what's the point of that well they didn't realize it was going to take off like it did so she didn't know she was strapping in for six seasons of the biggest show that was going to change her life and now we're here so we could have had a different serena that is fascinating to me because i can't think of anyone else who could have played her it's so perfectly cast there was talks originally that gossip girl was going to be a movie and Lindsay lohan was going to play blair blair 
nah. Yeah. Not it. So we could have had an entirely different Gossip Girl experience and I don't think... I don't like it. I think everything was perfect. Everything was aligned. It's like the butterfly effect. If one thing was off, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it right now. Oh, absolutely. But I also think that like we've talked about everything that goes into the show and what we love about it, but so much of that is the fashion as well. So what are your thoughts on the fashion? Like what are your favorite looks? What's everything that you love about it? Tell me, tell me. First and foremost, I will die on the hill that this is one of the best fashion shows of all time. It is. I think, I think it's like question. Gossip Girl and Sex and the City. And I think even more so than Sex and the City, Gossip Girl is a fashion show. Somehow, even though it's about rich people, it feels like it's more a more attainable fashion show. But I agree. the costume designer was Eric Damon, who actually assisted Patricia Fields, who was a costume designer on Sex and the City. Oh, I didn't know he was her assistant. That's so cool. So they actually won an Emmy together for Outstanding Costumes in 2002. Oh my God. And he worked on seasons two to four, which I would say are the best seasons of Sex and the City. But speaking of turning down roles, he almost turned down the role at Gossip Girl. Like the stylist role? Yeah. Oh, so he had a role on screen. I'm like, no. he should have been on screen. Yeah, put him in as Eric. Yeah, I literally was about to be like, he's so Eric vibes. Yeah, for sure, obviously. But um, he just had the whole Manhattan thing on lock. So it would have been a real shame if we didn't have him there. And I think the way he crafted the show, the way he framed characters and the way yeah. he worked with the actors to build their wardrobes. Yeah. And a lot with the girls, I think, like obviously with the guys as well, but I think Serena and Blair's looks in particular are so different, but so important to their characters yeah. and so informative of their characters, I think. Like you couldn't have, you just couldn't have the show without the fashion. It's just, they're so intertwined for me. It feels, I hate this word, but it feels more authentic because you're looking at people who are wearing clothes that yeah. they would love to wear. Anyway, some of the outfits were bizarre and ridiculous and insane. Yeah, I did love But like, that's all part of, them. of it. Well, exactly. Yeah. I always like was sad that we could never alter our uniforms like they do in Gossip Girl because they just do the most weird shit to the uniforms. And it looks amazing. But I was like, why can I not, as a Catholic schoolgirl in Sydney, do the same thing? <laughs> why can't I wear fishnets under my miniskirt? Yeah, why can't I wear why can't I wear headbands all the time? I did go through a huge headband phase. Really? So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, do you remember a quip? Yeah. I was at a quip constantly buying headbands, but then they would always pinch behind the ear. Yeah. And I had I remember I had a green spotted one, a red stripy one, and a red spotted one. So chic. I think, yeah, I was obsessed. I was like, Blair wears headbands, I'm gonna do it. So what are some of your favorite looks when you like have to think about it? I think the one that I always think of when someone says Gossip Girl fashion is Blair's massive, it's like ready orange, it the big Oscar de la Renta gown. Oh, from the Paris, Paris episode. Yes. Yeah. And she like meets up with Chuck at the train station and it's like multi-layered tulle. It's beautiful. But in an interview with Cosmo, Eric Damon said that he actually just stumbled across that dress in a window in Bergdorf Goodman like he was just strolling down Fifth Ave in the middle of working that and I feel like anything she wore in any of the Paris episodes Mm. it was nice because it was slightly less preppy than her normal style which I also love yeah 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 no you're you're so right it was kind of more florals it was color blocking yeah it was over accessorizing she'd wear like 19 necklaces and look good it was such that era of like layering necklaces we just no one does that now thank god do you have a favorite I have so many. I have Look. like a list. Okay, go. On here. Hit me. I think that, yeah, so, okay, so the, the red dress is the one that comes to your mind when you think of Gossip Girl. I think two of mine are from 
the pilot episode actually this is why i'm such a hoe for the first two seasons i really think of serena's striped top with the brown jacket and the little necktie in the first scene of the first episode when she's on the train coming back from connecticut that to me is just i was immediately like oh my god i, I love this and blair's anasui little black dress from the pilot is, it's kind of lacy and she's got her hair kind of up in a headband and it's like when she's trying to hook up with nate at the party and also the brown dress that she wanted to wear to her party i think in the first or second it was in the first episode and she's wearing this great like shiny brown dress and her mum's like blair that's not a good look for you you'll never be prettier or skinnier than you are now but you can't wear that dress <laughs> and i remember i was like this is an amazing dress what are you doing not letting her wear the dress eleanor please eleanor bitch i agree with the pilot dress i think it's yeah. from the get-go it's set blair as being this somehow innocent yeah but also i don't not vixen but she also had this real yeah. saucy confident totally side i i very much agree it's like that kind of co- coquettish yeah vibe so i love that and i loved blair's marquesa prom dress the black dress with the gold accents from her scrapbook loved that basically anything she wore to school her really preppy vibes the kind of ralph lauren-esque blazers with the little ribbons and things like that and she also wore this fantastic Marquesa, so much Marquesa, Marquesa dress in one of my favorite episodes in season two. They're doing like, a, it's called the Age of Disinnocence. They're doing the play of the Age of Innocence at school. And she's wearing this fantastic kind of high boat necked black dress. And it's really dramatic because she's playing Countess Olenska. And uh, it's a great episode, but a great outfit. I loved her wedding dress in the Ellie Saab ice blue, not the one from Monaco. Uh, no, that was disgusting. But the one that she wears when she marries Chuck, I loved that. And I also loved her white doily dress in the Wild Brunch episode. I think it was like the third episode. It had like a highish neck. Highish neck and she had the kind of plum lipstick. And headband. Yeah, headband. Yeah. And she looked great. Um, so I feel like all of this has just been Blair. I did love Serena's clothes as well. And I think I'll, I feel like I've just had such an identity cry. I like identity change over the years. Of I always was like, I'm Serena. I... I'm so laid back. My hair is always messy. Now I've gotten older. I'm like, I'm so not her style. I don't think I could do my like school uniform like that. One of my friends, Seb, had a birthday party God, a few years ago now. The theme was villains and I went as Blair, even though she's not technically a villain, but I was really, it was, I couldn't think of anything else. I had an idea. It didn't pan out. So I had to go as Blair, but I owned everything. Like the outfit was everything I owned. And when I got to the party, people were like, amazing. Like, where did you get this? And I was like, no, I own all of this. It's my this wardrobe. Is, it's my wardrobe. It's basically all old Zara um, plus my mom's pearls. In that moment, I was like, I think I've always been a bit of a Blair. And I just couldn't accept that I'm not Serena. The guys as well had a lot going on. Yeah, they did. I feel like some of them were a little bit boring, but there was detail in that Dan's uniforms were always a bit baggier, which alluded to him being poor living poor. in his giant loft in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so poor. My so clothes poor. don't fit. Me and my seamstress sister. Oh, literally. I'm like, Jenny could be making clothes for the whole family. What is she doing? Yeah, she could at least alter your school uniform. So, so silly. There was that detail. But then I think Chuck's style was a standout. Some truly unhinged looks, some great looks, but also some like what the hell some really bizarrely colored suits yeah he did he really did change i feel like in the first few seasons he was like very weirded out clothes and then he was very much like sleek suits so it was like suits but then would change the color palette which i thought was quite nice but always perfectly tailored to show that he was rich yeah. as if we didn't know but 
again, we didn't see this kind of thing growing up. You didn't no. see men wearing suits every day and you didn't see them wearing interesting looking suits as well. Not at all. But that was reportedly part of the motivation behind Chuck's looks in that Eric Damon has described Chuck's wardrobe as mildly revolutionary. He's right. In the sense that straight men could wear like bow ties and ascots, taking it back to the days of the dandy. He's very much someone who like cares about what he looks like, cares about what he wears. Yeah. And they could be a little bit more expressive with their style before that real industrial man look kind of took over, especially in these like white collar circles. And I feel like they could have just stuck with that and gone, here's a super basic rich man's outfit. Well, that's kind of like Nate. Yeah, they went, this man doesn't actually pick out his own wardrobe. He's just rich. He can go to a store and say, I need a three-piece suit for a casual afternoon in my backyard. And they'll be able to give him what he wants. But Chuck was a peacock. And they showed that through his wardrobe. I I thought it was really well executed. The fashion was its own character in the show, I think. And everyone had their look. Everyone had their aesthetic. And they could have gone for something that was quite bland and boring. In that they could have gone, here is just a normal uniform. But I think it added so much to the story to say these teenagers, they're not restricted by anything. They can wear anything. They can buy anything. They can be anything. Yeah. It added so much more personality. And like even like Chuck's scarf that became such a signature in the show and like the headbands and things like that. Like Jenny's eyeliner and what like there's they become such trademarks of the character. And that's truly down to the fashion, I think. But um. Something else that happened in the show that was uh, a bit controversial LA, uh, we found out who Gossip Girl was. So this whole time on the show, Gossip Girl was this anonymous blogger, person, entity. I never thought we'd actually find out who it was. And then in 2012, the finale aired and we found out. And it's been 11 years, so I think we're calling a spade a spade but not censoring spoilers. The Statue of Limitations is very much up. And um, the way that we're talking about everything, you probably watch the show if you're still listening. And if you haven't, we're just, I'm sorry, what we're saying is a lot of gibberish. You're probably like, why are they talking about headbands? But we know who Gossip Girl is. It was Dan. It was Dan. All this time, lonely boy. What were your thoughts on this? Because this was a big, big deal when it came out. I remember I was watching it at the same time as some of my friends. So I still had that, oh my God, we've just found out. What do you think? Mm. I was still able to take part in that, which was good. But I was never really attached to Dan and I grew less and less attached to him over the seasons. Like to me, he just went from, I love an underdog, but he was an unlikable underdog because he put himself in that position and he just grew on that and became a pretentious victim. So it didn't surprise me that he would do anything to exert some sort of control over the people that are making him feel less than. Yeah, I think he was so obsessed with making it in that world. He was. The way they set out the plot, I think it makes sense that it was Dan. No, I think it was interesting the way they framed it in the show. Like, so there's this big reveal when they find out that it's Dan. And and he says, he's like, I was never going to be part of the world. I had to write myself in. He was like, and then he references himself next to like Thackeray and like Edith Wharton and all these other people. I'm like, babes, you're not you're like not them, that. but you're evil like Becky Sharp from Vanity Fair. So that's technically that's Thackeray. So correct. But I don't think they knew when they started the series who no. it was going to be. And no. they didn't actually reveal the identity in the books. So they couldn't even go off that. They just shouldn't loosely. have revealed it. I just think it was dumb dumb. I think it would have been better if it was just left a question the entire time. I agree. And there are so many plot holes where there's a Gossip Girl blast that really badly affects Dan and you can't even justify that as well. I was going to say it's like he's targeting himself so to not make himself 
a suspect and it's like and in the show they're like he's like yeah jenny was part of it too his younger sister i'm like jenny got fucked over so much by gossip girl yeah and then there are so many scenes where Dan reacts to a blast when he's completely alone. Yeah. So they, I don't think they knew at the start. I don't think so. Going back to Joshua's Saffron, he told the Daily Beast that he ideally didn't want it to be revealed. No, it should never have been A revealed. true fan. I agree with that. But at one point it was supposed to be Nate. Nate's not smart enough. He's not I'm smart so enough. sorry, Nate. Because it wasn't as organic a decision as Dan, they really had to set it up as it's going to be Nate, it's going to be Nate. And that's why they gave him the magazine and they made it a real oh. plot point in season five. No one, I didn't give a shit about The Spectator. I was like, I don't care. But that was them trying to gear it up. Nate's always been interested in, in this gossip and he's actually smart, but no, he's... If they had made it Nate, I would have been more mad, to be honest. Absolutely. I, I think, think I would have actually sense. shit the bed. I would have been so irritated. There's also an interview with Penn Badgley where he says it doesn't make sense for anyone to be a gossip girl. And I kind of agree with that. Yeah. What do you think? So many thoughts. I, yeah, look, I hated that it was Dan. And Dan's a controversial character because I've always loved Dan. My friends have always hated Dan. And I was always a Dan girl. I was so invested in his relationship with Serena. So it was, I feel like it was hard for me, like, not to be a Dan girl. Because for me, I was like, Dan is my guy. Like, he needs to be with Serena. Like, I'm obsessed with this. But my interest definitely waxed and waned with him, depending on, like, who he was with and what his storyline was. Like, when he got back with Vanessa in season three, I was like, I am disinterested again. Like, I do not care what you're doing. And I said this before, like, I never felt like Gossip Girl was a mystery that, like, needed to be solved. It wasn't, like, Pretty Little Liars, where, like, for seven years I was like, I will die if I don't know who A is. I will die if I don't know who's stalking these girls. I will not be able to complete high school if I don't know what this is happening. Also because A was fully tormenting these teenagers. Yeah. Whereas Gossip, Gossip Girl, Girl was just reporting on what they were doing. Gossip Girl was just stirring shit. Yeah. Like Gossip Girl was just bored. She was like, what can I do to ruin people's day? Whereas A was like killing people. Yeah. But um, we should really do a Pretty Little Lies episode. It sounds deranged when we're like referencing it. Yeah. No one has context. <laughs> I didn't need to know who Gossip Girl was and then it just happened to be Dan. But like I remember exactly where I was the day I watched the last episode. I was so stressed and like outraged and I couldn't talk to anyone about it because I was spending the day at my dad's work and I was like doing work experience and I was doing work experience I was very much experiencing the work but I also watched Gossip Girl I think I watched it on like project free tv or like one two three movies or whatever those you know oh my god one of those websites where it's like Simone is in your area <laughs> two kilometers down the road wants to connect to like all those weird pop-up ads and you have to like close the ad and then close the tab that yeah. opens and close the ad yeah. and close tab and you have to get to the right play button like there's a false yes. play button that's going to download have to a wait virus it, loads. it was a whole thing and I, I watched that but I hadn't watched any episodes of that season because I kind of given up on the show so I didn't have a huge amount of context but I had enough for me to like understand what was going on but it just it, for me it didn't make sense you know Dan is a he's sneaky he's not a schemer like Chuck and Blair but I think out of all of them he's probably the one who could pull it off but that doesn't mean like he should have done it I would have been happy not knowing or like if it was Dorota I hated it I didn't need it to be Dan and I didn't need anything about it like I just didn't really care for me like the identity of Gossip Girl was not about the show Gossip Girl was a vehicle in which to get to know the characters and there was enough drama within the characters whether or not Gossip Girl was there. The show could have continued without those blasts, to be honest. The blasts just furthered plot, but we definitely could have gotten there otherwise. I feel that that shows how much 
the kind of attention economy and TV changed between 2007 and 2012 because it went from being a show you could watch weekly and enjoy the plot to, oh my God, we need to keep people interested and we need to keep people watching. We need them to be holding on to something to watch. And so they went, oh, you know what we can do? Reveal. And when you think about it like that, it does make sense because people then are holding out for something, but it just, it was so stupid. But I just found an email that I'd sent um, in 2012 to my aunt who was living in New York at the time. We used to email a lot. So I would email like just about my day. And I was like, I was at dad's, you know, work today, da, 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 blah, da, da. And then I go, my biggest news is, and then there's six lines of full stops to dot, dot, dot. I know who Gossip Girl is. You probably won't watch it. So I'm prob- I'm just going to tell you that it's Dan. If you can remember who Dan is. Yep, it's pretty good. And Chuck and Blair end up getting married with a son. Nate ends up running for mayor of New York. And Dan and Serena end up getting married. And Rufus and Lily don't end up together. Rufus ends up with Lisa Loeb. So that's it for the moment. Love you. <laughs> and then my aunt writes back, you are kidding, Dan. But then of course he is a writer, so it makes sense. Which one is Lisa Loeb? And why not Rufus? What the hell is happening? I am tragic, <laughs> but at least Chuck and Blair got it together obsessed with nate becoming mayor as well i know i'm like i would not trust this man no no nate is the lobotomized queen of the show he does not know his butt from his elbow he's just a little labrador he is and he's he's really sweet sweet. he ends up in these sticky situations and i'm like you really should have just gotten with serena and like left to go live in connecticut and lived your best Mm. life he can't help that he just loves a good milf oh my god he does i was watching the other week actually um the first episode of season two, I think just because I was like bored at home. Is that the one that starts after they've been at summer? Yeah, it's in Hamptons. Yeah. Flatmate Tom walked in and it was like when Nate's making out with the MILF and he's like, what is <laughs> happening? He's like, who is that? What is this? I was like, don't worry. That's a 17-year-old boy. I was like, you know what? It's, there's a lot going on and this is also the mother from Riverdale. So yeah, yeah. yeah, you may recognize her. Yeah, give me your favorite character and your favorite couple. This is really hard. This took me a long time to work out. And I think I've, I've said this enough that I've struggled between Blair and Serena. And I really do like love Blair. I think when I was younger, I was, as I've said, like all about Serena and she does have a fond place in my heart from when I'm like 13 years old. But I always thought that Blair was like this horrible kind of bitchy girl. And I was like, God, she can just never let things go. She's so mean to Serena. And she's so like, Serena is just living her life and she can't help that everyone loves her. And like, you know, I always think about that, um, the photo shoot episode and I'm like, Serena did Uh, nothing wrong. Like they just (laughs) wanted her to do the test photos. And I realized that Blair is actually the best character. And I think the most complex character and Serena's just a fucking villain. And I think that maturing as a woman is realizing that Serena's the villain and not the hero. She sucks all the air out of the room. It's that classic, and I hate to use academic terms that TikTok has co-opted, but male gaze versus female gaze. So true. Serena's the ideal for guys. Yeah, Yeah. Serena is the man's woman. She doesn't care. She's messy she's so flirty and fun and she loves to party you and isn't she so cool have <laughs> broken my brain that is the best way to describe it blair's the female gaze yeah. blair is she dresses for herself because she loves looking preppy and put yeah. together and she's mostly concerned with herself and just getting herself out there and that's why i feel like it that reflects what you said about maturing is realizing that serena is just like a chaos queen because she is when you're younger you are kind of more susceptible to oh i need to look this certain way because that's what we've been fed and that's what we've been conditioned to understand yeah and then you grow into yourself more and you identify with Blair more and you go oh actually 
I don't want to be a man's girl. Yeah. And of course, like there are still aspects of Serena that I really love. And there are aspects of Blair that I really dislike. But I think overall, (laughs) but overall, Blair was pretty hard done by in that friendship, I think. So I spend a lot of time thinking about this, but I love Blair. I love Serena in different ways. I love Lily. And I think it's because she reminds me a lot of my own mother, (laughs) not in her character. Her character is great, makes some questionable choices that my mom would never do, but they look very similar. The style is very similar. She's got a very dry sense of humor. I love that she's constantly done with the drama, but she also constantly is in the middle of her own drama. She's like, oh, Serena. But then she's like in the love triangle and all of this other stuff is on the side. Like, I love her energy. Um, And I love Cece, her mother, Serena's grandma, and the minions as well, Penelope and Cotian is. Um, like bit players, but really did a lot with small parts, I think. Um, they did. I think the minions were kind of underrated. They were like such a huge part of the tension and the yeah. plot and the comedy. They were so they funny. They were so funny. They were so funny. And I love Dorota, but I have a... And I think, so those are my characters. So there's like 17 there that you can do something with. But for favourite couple, and this is a bit left to field, and so I'm really intrigued to get your thoughts, but... And again, this is me maturing because I did not love this when I was younger. As I said, I was all Dan Serena. And then one day I had an epiphany. Dan and Blair. Explain to me why. Okay, I'll tell you. Let me take you on a journey. I was a hater because I was so Dan and Serena, as I said. But then my very good friend, Madison, uh, she was like, what are you doing? Dan and Blair are God tier. And I was like, what are you doing? That's the worst part of the show in the later seasons. I was like, why did they put them together? This is like disgusting, horrendous. And then she was like, no, you're wrong. You just need to watch it. Like, understand what I'm saying to you. I think they were so good together. That change between outright hostility to like, we're in the same circles, whatever, we have a truce, to then like, we're at uni together and I still kind of don't like you, but whatever, to this kind of like friendship to then being together. I was like, it was, it was a true roller coaster. And they both had respect for each other in the end. And I just feel like they were too elite. The writers didn't know what to do with them. I think it's relative because every other relationship that Blair was in was toxic and well, horrible. This is, and also that too, because Dan actually treated her like a human being and then Chuck yeah. like sold her for a hotel. Because yeah. we got a taste of a healthy relationship yeah. for both of them. Yeah, it was kind of easy to go, oh yeah, cool. But it was also easy to see it as really boring. Like I don't think they had any chemistry, really? but I think they just had respect for each other. I thought they were so, I thought this, I thought it was like so screwball comedy. I no. thought, <laughs> no, okay, that's fair. Look, I was a hater for years, so I understand. But I loved like this like secret uneasy friendship that they had. It's like they're both in New York and everyone else is away. They're like, we're not going to hang out. But then they end up like going on these little friendship dates to like see a film at the French film festival or whatever. And then they kind of like, have this sort of like, oh, well, you're going to be here. So like, I might see you, but you know, don't count on me coming or whatever. I think it's because I love, love enemies to lovers. I'm like the dynamic mm. is so good. It's also a trope that we kind of see often being the friend, the best friend and the boyfriend where mm. the best friend and the boyfriend don't like each other because they are both equally invested in the friend, except they actually have a lot in common because they both really like the friend and then they have to start out in hostility. And then they end up in familiarity and love and all that. I just think like Chuck was such an asshole to her. Nate was so boring. Dan like got her, like they got each other. But the the plot of them fighting when they were fighting and working together at W Magazine was like so good. Like they're so sharp and on each other's level. And it's like, yeah, as I said, like it's not really enemies to lovers. It's like enemies to rivals to like reluctant friends to lovers. What about you? That was a real rant. In terms of favorite character, I agree 
on Dorota. I think she did so much with what was kind of a small part, except she made it a massive part. So iconic. So iconic. And she's American in real life. Hearing her talk is so weird because she's got quite a very thick Polish accent. And she's hilarious. She delivers some of the best lines in the entire show. She's so good. And she'll get like two minutes of screen time every episode. That's it. She's like how in Shakespeare in Love, how Judi Dench won an Oscar for eight minutes of screen time. (laughs) Like Dorota could win an Oscar or win a Golden Globe for like one minute of screen time. Also, and this was one that I took a while to come around to, but Cyrus Rose. I love Cyrus Rose because it's Wallace Shawn. Yes, obviously an amazing actor. He's so good. I hated his stupid son, Aaron, when they tried to like get Aaron. The um, creep, the I little like him. Mustache. the mustache, and then he tried to get with Serena. I'm like, get out of here. But I think he was a really fun character. I, loved I don't him. think he would have hit the same way had they brought him in in season one. No, he needed. They needed time to like establish the Eleanor Blair thing and like how they're such a unit for yeah. then Blair to be like the have the distrust and not want him. Yeah, and then I think he humanized Eleanor when she needed to be humanized as Blair was getting older, and then that also worked to humanize Blair a bit more when yeah. she like came around to him. Yeah, I think he was a brilliant character. I love him. Character as for my favorite couple. Mm, yeah discuss the young ones were annoying i loved the parents lillian rufus being like star-crossed lillian rufus changed my life perfect also good again eleanor and cyrus i thought was beautiful wonderful writing they didn't need to do it but they did and it was great yeah lillian rufus was difficult because i was so serena and dan that i was like i I was a double-edged sword because i was like i want dan and serena to be together but i want lillian rufus to be together And I feel like there were very good dynamics between, like, certain other characters who were just, like, friends, regardless of romantic attachments. Like, Nate and Dan had a nice little bromance. Oh, I think they nailed that with the contrast between Dan being, like, an intellectual and then Nate just being... Nate just being a himbo. No thoughts. Yeah. Just vibes. And together it was just a beautiful, like... It was a nice little coalescing of the two of them, and I think it really worked. And also Chuck, I think when he really dislikes someone is just hilarious oh some of the one-liners he'd pull out oh like when he there's this bit where we were talking about sebastian stan before he plays his character carter Bazin, and he's like this rich guy who kind of goes all earthy he leaves up east side goes to travel around like bolivia or whatever and he comes back and he's like yeah i've just really rejected you know material things da, 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 da. he's talking about you know how shit everything is and then chuck's like as much as i love the speech about not needing material things from a guy who has that much product in his hair and it was just like so good he's like i don't give a shit very fun very funny and i also think that regardless of the romantic things that were to come i think dan and blair had a really good dynamic as well when they were scheming together or like fighting or being sassy I thought they were like the bit in season one when um they're trying to take down Georgina and he's like, oh, I've never schemed against anyone before. And then Blair's like, don't worry, virgin, I'll talk you through it. <laughs> like, I thought they had a very nice relationship. I also think the show did a good job in that it made the smart characters smart and the dumb characters dumb. Oh, yeah, they doubled down. They doubled down. So Blair, Dan and Chuck were all smart. Yeah, Serena, Nate, dumb. Even Rufus a little bit. Rufus was also like they positioned him as smart and then you realise that he's dumb and Lily smart. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I loved Rufus. Big Rufus stan. 
Early days Rufus. Oh, early days Rufus. Yeah, waffles, <sighs> waffles Rufus. Every time that they cut to the loft, he's making waffles. That poor man, let him out. I know. <laughs> let him leave Williamsburg. We've talked a bit about unhinged couples, but unhinged storylines were next level. So please tell me your favourite unhinged storyline from six seasons of this shit. There were so many. And I feel like there were some storylines that were just reprehensible. Like, why were they all sleeping with their teachers? Oh, yeah. Weird. I feel like that's you don't even need to talk about, talk about forgot, that as an like, unhinged storyline. I Dan story slept with the teacher. Yeah. And Serena. And Serena. And then that teacher went to prison and then every like serena was like he's gonna get out on bail it's gonna be amazing and blair's like please live in reality you're not gonna get with this guy like this is so stupid but serena was just whipped and it was all because her mum forged an affidavit oh the affidavit that was the first time i knew what an affidavit was (laughs) because of that i was like what is this word that they're saying (laughs) gossip girl is just intro gossip girl's illegal education yeah who needs suits but so there were those storylines where you'd watch them and go this is just yeah everyone stop fucking teachers in gossip girl please i want to talk about how chuck's search for his mum led to elizabeth hurley yeah so i forgot that elizabeth hurley was in gossip girl i feel like she camps up any show or movie that she's in and i think they realized that by the time they got got around to her in like season five season six and they went this is the prime addition to this well-established show yeah like i do think that there are many people like this but elizabeth hurley is for the girls and the gays yeah one thousand percent and she played such a fun character in diana she was a little bit villainous sided with the wrong people but also yeah people but she was like sexy and then nate had a thing with her because like everyone's having sex with their teachers nate's having sex with women over 50 the search for chuck's mum we know early on that chuck's mum died shortly after he was born where so he's never had that female connection that's why he's got issues that's Which why makes he's like total a, sense why he hates women yeah he's a total womanizer and that's also part of why his dad is emotionally detached his dead dad who we find out is not dead yes so then along came the woman called elizabeth fisher she pops up in season three episode 14 so like that's quite through. early it is quite early that is early and she pops up and claims to be his mother. Chuck loves it and he tries to embrace that. He wants a relationship with his mum. He turns all soft. He's so easy. And you can see all he wants is his mum. He wouldn't have tried to sexually assault like two people in the space of 10 minutes in episode one if he had a mum. Maybe. Anyways. I mean, I'd like to think so. So he immediately goes from the Chuck we know to this big softy just wants his mum. Then it's revealed that Elizabeth, as in Mama Chuck, is in cahoots with Uncle Jack. He's the worst He's a slithery little I snake. I hate Jack. So that's the story. This is Chuck's uncle. Textbook villain. He's fucked. Do you remember that episode? Sorry, just a, do you remember that episode when he tried to um, sexually assault Lily and then Chuck saved in her the in the bathroom? Yeah. Oh, at, at, at like the opera or whatever it was. He's truly a it despicable was, human. I remember that so well. The horror of watching that when you yeah. realize that he's locked the door. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, sorry. Continue. That manipulation was so that Jack could get Chuck's share of whatever... Bass Industries, Empire Hotel. What even whatever. was Bass Industries? Rich, that's what it was. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> money for money's sake. So then Elizabeth is pursuing Jack. She loves Jack, but tries to deflect by telling Chuck that she's not actually his mother and he just needs to get over him, even though she is his mother, as it's revealed later. So she's just like a meddling so little really meddler. she is his mother. Yeah. 
So she came in and said, I'm your mother, form your relationship under yeah. false pretenses so that I can help Uncle Jack because I'm in love with him. Oh. But now I've screwed up this boy's life. So I'm going to tell him that I'm not his mother so he, that he can move on. And we find out later that she is his mum. And these oh. are storylines where they open them up and never closed. Oh. So in season five, Chuck is in a car accident. And it's that one where it was very like Princess Diana. Where... Oh, when they're in the car and Florence and the Machine's playing. Yes. Oh, yeah. And she's and she's pregnant. Blair's pregnant, and they are there's paparazzi. Yes. All around the car. Chuck needs a blood transfusion, and at this time, Bart Bass was supposed to be dead. So there's speculation that it was his mum that came back. Except Diana, as in Elizabeth Hurley's character, yeah. covers it up by saying she's his mum. The story was that she donated the blood okay. oh, to okay. save Chuck's life. But you really think it was Elizabeth? But people don't know whether that was Diana covering up for Bart or Diana covering up for Elizabeth. Okay. Okay. So, got you, got you, got you. Because it could have been Bart who donated the blood. Yeah. Understood. Because he's still alive. Oh my God, I feel like I need a Venn diagram and like a mind map for this. It's so confusing and it's the way they've opened it up three seasons earlier and then gone, oh my God, we need to figure this out. So poor Chuck is just, he's a, what, 20-year-old man, 20-year-old boy saying, all I want is my mum. His mum pops up, then she leaves again and then Diana's his mum, except Diana's not his mum. And also having sex with his best friend. Yeah. And then his dad, who's dead, is not really dead. Yeah, which is another whole storyline, which is all very mafia. He had to go into hiding to save his family from being murdered by one of his competitors in whatever industry bar whatever bass Bass industries is (laughs) he pops up again in like towards the end in a sex mansion that diana has something to do with oh diana diana sounds very like ghislaine maxwell (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little bit but he then goes full villain kidnaps blair i remember this and then actually dies by falling off a rooftop i mean it's only taken him four seasons to actually die actually It's so intense. That is such a bummer. And it's so confusing. If you didn't understand any of that, welcome to the world of Gossip Girl. Anyway, tell me about your favorite unhinged moment. Oh God. I mean, I feel like in terms of like, there are so many unhinged moments, but I think like a storyline that I really, it's not even a favorite one. It's probably my most hated one. There was this whole fake cousin thing in like season four. So this character called Charlie is introduced in season four as Serena and Eric's cousin. She's not a Vanderwood's cousin, a Rhodes cousin because Lily's maiden name is Rhodes. So um, she ingratiates herself with the group and everyone. She's just like the most annoying person in the world. And then you find out that she's not actually Charlie. She's a paid actress named Ivy, who Lily Vanderwitzen's sister Carol has been paying so that Carol can gain access to her real daughter's trust fund. And her real daughter's name is Lola, just to make everything a bit more confusing. But so then Ivy like just sticks around for ages as Charlie. And then even when she's found out and the real cousin Lola comes to town, she still just sticks around and is a real pain in the ass. The whole storyline was so stupid, but it was also enjoyable. But she like stays in town and then she hooks up with Nate, Dan, Rufus and Serena's dad. (laughs) I'm like get it done girl i did really like at the time in the first season when georgina comes back to town and you're like who is georgina i have no idea and the moment when serena says that she killed someone was that was that was pretty unhinged and i loved it shocking that's diabolical once fake relatives are starting to pop up it's we've kind of gone from prestige television to to a soap opera but music was also like a huge part of the show like so many bands and musicians and people that we were all introduced to because of gossip girl so do you have a favorite soundtrack moment music moment from the show i do and i feel like there are so many where now i just hear a song 
and I think of Gossip it's Girl. It's Gossip Girl. Yeah, I agree. Nothing's ever going to change that. There have been other moments, music moments in TV where it's iconic and yeah. it's interesting. It just has not transcended the show like these, no. like this soundtrack has. Gossip so, Girl is next level. It is. But there's one music moment that sticks with me because it was one of those, oh my God, I know pop culture things. Go. And it's when Blair goes to a party on a rooftop at NYU. They play Good Girls Go Bad, which is the song that she featured on for Cobra Starship. I love that song so much. It's so good. It used to be my ringtone. <laughs> like, yay. <laughs> I remember watching that episode and going, oh my God, she's on this song. The first time to be like, I have prior knowledge of this and it's enlightening and it's enhancing the way I'm watching this show. Yeah. This was actually a source of drama though, because Taylor Momsen allegedly wanted the same for her band, The Pretty Reckless, which is a bit grunge, a bit rock. I like The Pretty Reckless. It's really good. They're really And Taylor Momsen is very talented as well. She's got an amazing voice. No lie, amazing voice. But she went to the producers and said that she wanted some of the Pretty Reckless's songs in the show. And the CW ended up releasing a statement saying the show will support Taylor and her music when the time is right, but her music is not ready yet. That's so like, Taylor, your music is bad and we don't like it. And it's it's not the, it's not the Gossip Girl vibe. No, it's rock. They definitely and could have made it work, but I think they just didn't want to. They didn't want to. And I mean, the Pretty Reckless is significantly more successful than Leighton Meester's music career now. Yeah. So. It all worked out in the I end so. for old Taylor. What about you? Can you give us some of the iconic moments? Oh, yeah. I have quite a few. <laughs> so I used to, on YouTube, there is actually an account that is go- called Gossip Girl Best Music Moments. And I just used to sit on my computer and watch them. So fun. I am such a fun person. I think the one that I can't go past when you say that a song that reminds me of the show is Young Folk from the very first scene of the very first episode by Peter, Bjorn and John. But I also think that one from the latest seasons that I think everyone particularly this week as it's Thanksgiving in the US is relevant, is What to Say by Jason Derulo. When in season three, the Thanksgiving episodes, there's all this drama going on at the table. Blair thinks her mum is pregnant. When Derulo is actually pregnant, Vanessa and her mum are having a fight. Serena's having an affair with a senator and the wife finds out and Nate knows and then Chuck knows. Lily's had an affair with her ex-husband, but Rufus doesn't know. But then Serena's grandmother tells him and it's all happening at the table and Eric and Jenny are fighting because Eric sabotaged Jenny at Cotillion and it's all happening at this one table in this one scene while Watch Say is playing it's the one it's the bit when Jenny's like don't you have anything to say to me and then Eric's like your sweet potatoes are bland <laughs> and then the, the song just keeps going and I think that is such sharp writing that scene is in so indicative of the show and it's that song is amazing and it's also I think that song is also a reference to the OC because Marissa shoots Trey, Ryan's brother. The song Hide and Seek by Imogen Heap plays and that's sampled. So the bit where it's like, mm, what you say? That's from the Imogen Heap song and then Jason Derulo has sampled that. But that song became a huge meme in the mid 2000s and like SNL parodied it and, and things like that. So I think that song, that scene... When they play Beautiful Girls by Sean Kingston, when Serena and Blair do their big um, fashion montage, uh, when they steal all the dresses, and then Paparazzi by Lady Gaga when Nate and Serena make out in season two, episode one at the yeah. White Party. Also fantastic. Right Round by Flo Rida in the season two episode when they have the Seder with Eleanor and... Um, Cyrus, and again, a table scene where a lot's going on at the table. Um, this is an episode when Army Hammer 
guest stars and he wants to hook up with Serena but Serena's like I'm not having this she pretends that she's still with Dan but it's when Lily and Rufus are still together and Dan's cater waiting at the Seder but he can't tell his dad because he doesn't want his dad to know he doesn't have any money so then Rufus is like Dan what are you doing here and and Serena's like he's here with me and then Lily's like you're not back together are you and then every five seconds he's having to be pulled away to serve wine and everyone's like why are you serving wine and that song starts playing it's just very chaotic and funny but I think probably the number one for me other than young folks is You're a Fever by The Kills which plays in the scene where Serena tells Blair that she killed someone that's not even talking about like the people who were actually featured on the show like Florence and the Machine was featured who else it was Florence and the Machine No Doubt with Gwen Stefani were featured lots of other bands as well not as much as the OC like I feel like the OC really brought the live band scene in and like Death Cab for Cutie and Rooney and other things Mm. and I feel like Gossip Girl really built on that so many good moments but looking back now because we've discussed like the legacy and our favorite things is there anything that you would change about Gossip Girl do you think looking back I think that there are parts where you simply can't change them you can't if you altered it you'd alter the entire course of modern history I would just change not finding out who Gossip Girl is like I didn't need that and I would shorten some of the like later plot dramas that I found annoying. There were periods where they tried to give everyone their time in the sun and they maybe didn't need to. They maybe didn't need to add another Vanessa plot. They could have just kept her as a side could character. just get the back to Vermont, Vanessa. You suck. <laughs> what about, is there anything that you wouldn't change that you would never let anyone touch? Well, I mean, they've already rebooted. So I would just say like, I don't want to, I wouldn't want it to be rebooted. I wouldn't want it to be rebooted with the same characters. I wouldn't let them touch the fashion and I don't think you can because then it becomes a a completely different show I I think it was but I I think the I would shorten some of the unnecessary plot and I would randomly green light the backdoor pilot that they did in season two in the prom episode they did like flashback to when Lily was young when she went to California. Yeah. And she was like kicked out of school and yeah and she was like a rock chick and she went to find her sister I would have made that a whole season because that was one of the most enjoyable seasons, uh, one of the most enjoyable episodes of Gossip Girl, I think. It was really fun. It was like Serena and Blair's prom drama in the present day and then Lily's drama in the 1980s, which I really, I really enjoyed that. Except she was Britney Snow. She was played by Britney Snow and then her sister was played by um, Kristen Ritter. But I had a huge crush on like the love interest guy, the kind of punky guy that was in the episode. I loved him. So I I probably would have explored that a little bit more. I also love and wouldn't have changed the episode titles. Every single one is based on a famous movie. So and they use like puns. So there was the Blair Bitch Project, It Girl Interrupted, Crazy Cupid Love. It's really complicated. So so many other puns to do with the characters' names and the storylines. I love the Blair Bitch Project. Like Uh you can't get much. And I loved um, they did the Wild Brunch for the Wild Bunch. Predipore J. There was Easy J. Yeah, it girl happened one night. They had the grandfather, and then the, they had the grandfather that was part so two. Good. That's so good. There were so many, and I feel like the fact that they kept going throughout all the seasons yeah. was so good. We said before that there was the reboot of Gossip Girl. It was done again by the original creators. It didn't hit the same though. I felt. What were your thoughts on this? I didn't enjoy it. I didn't finish it. I watched most of season one. It was exciting when they announced it because obviously we thought it would be similar to the original. I was excited 
nervous, but I think once I saw who was going to, like, the people who were playing the characters and things, I was like, oh, it'll be cool. It'll be fun. It was not either of those things. It was not. I think it would have been really good if it was a standalone show just done by the creators of Gossip Girl. Yeah. But I think because they tried to piggyback off something that was perfect as it was. And yes, there are valid critiques of Gossip Girl, but sometimes it's nice to just leave something as it was. Just let people enjoy it. As a pocket in time. And first impression when I heard that they were rebooting was that the Gossip Girl premise wouldn't work. Everyone understands the internet a little bit better now and everyone has social media, which is its own kind of watchdog. And people Agreed. obsessively watch influencers and any number of people you every have like single day. A Doomwai is like Gossip Girl, basically. Yeah. And it's so it's it's less interesting because we're all watching everyone all the time. Mm. So we're all Gossip Girl, really. And also the idea that it would remain completely anonymous when it's dealing in small circles like it's imagine if your friend group was being reported on by an anonymous entity you would be able to find out who it was yeah you would be able to find out who it was for sure first impression was oh my god how are they going to actually do this yeah they can't really ride on the coattails of the original show because of that no it's completely different they also kind of used it as a i don't want to say tokenistic the original the cast was way more diverse than the original which was good wonderful they needed it yeah that part was awesome and it was genuine representation in a sense but then it would feel gimmicky and they would do an entire episode to show we are socially aware and we're writing about it but they did it in a way where it wasn't entertaining and it didn't really have a lesson in it because it was super rich kids doing super rich kid things and very scandalous and very out of touch and then they'd go but wait 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 they're in touch they understand that was my biggest problem with it because I think that the beauty of Gossip Girl was that they were rich kids doing bad things and they didn't give a shit yeah they didn't care and I also just yeah I felt like that was the thing like I hate to use the word like woke as you say but it was like these kids would you know in the new one rich kids doing bad things, whatever. But they were like, oh, but I do care about my followers and like I've got to make sure my brand is okay and da 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 and I, and I really am aware of issues and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're Who not. Would th- this, this conversation feels so disingenuous. They're so conscious of branding themselves correctly and having a conscience. And I get that because one of the main characters is meant to be an influencer. So you're meant to do that. But I was like, the whole point of Gossip Girl is that they don't care and there's no notion of privilege because they've never known anything else. They would have no idea how to interact and live in the real world. Exactly. So privilege isn't even a thing for them because it's just their way of life. Yeah. It's not a concept to them. It's just what they are. But in that sense, I feel like I, I feel like the reboot skewed a bit older than the, than the original, which in my head reinforces the idea that teen shows are superficial or frivolous. I think the whole point of the original show is that it's, everyone rich teens acting like adults and rich adults acting like teens exactly except neither are in touch with reality so that's what you wanted to watch and i don't think doing the reboot i don't think they knew their audience so i think they went okay we're going to try and cater to the people who watched the original who are now yeah in their late mid to late 20s early 30s except then it doesn't hit because we just want to watch a teen romance. We just want yeah. to watch something that's a little bit silly and a little bit fun. I don't need to like hear them be worthy and like have one of them worry about their follow account. I'm like, I don't care. And I think like for Gossip Girl to try and course correct like that, it felt quite feeble because it's just not the, it's not the essence of the show. Like mm. go and make a different show, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, go and make like an amazing 
show about that like mm. kids coming to terms with their privilege in new york or whatever do the, exact, do the exact same thing but i think doing it under the umbrella of gossip girl and doing that it just didn't it didn't work for me well i liked it at first i only watched like three episodes i liked the three episodes that i watched in the sense of that the teachers were gossip girl I've, other than it being totally immoral and unethical yeah imagine a teacher doing that I to know. a student you i kind of found it kind of funny in the first few episodes when they worked out what they were going to do like i felt like Tavi Geverson, who played the main teacher. I liked the comedy of that and the two other funny teachers being Gossip Girl, but I felt, yeah, again, it's incredibly unethical and don't do that if you're a teacher. Uh, I thought that was funny. And I have such a soft spot from for Tavi that I was like, I'll give it a go for you, girly. Yeah. And then it, it didn't hit. Although I will say the one good thing that came out of the Gossip Girl reboot, it's what introduced me to Jose Corrales and Zweta. Oh, really? Because he was referenced in one of the episodes. Oh, my God, he is. Um, and I didn't know who he was before then. Before then. Oh, wow. So that was like very, that was good. Yeah. That was fun. So that just showed that they, the writers were in amongst the zeitgeist with the rest of yeah. us. Yeah. Well, there was that one one part of an episode where they were at a party and it, they panned all these people. And I felt so embarrassed. I was like, I should know who some of these people are. And I didn't know any of them. The only one I recognized was Jeremy O'Harris, the playwright. But other than that, I didn't know any of the people who were there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. If you gave me an episode of the original, I'd know every single person in this. In this. And it makes you wonder, did anyone know? Yeah. Unless you're in those circles. No, And they're your friends anyway. Exactly. But yeah, I was was underwhelmed. And I think you can't improve upon perfection. You can't. But this has been very fun as our first deep dive. Yeah, that leads us today. We are Gossip Girl-less. And reminiscing because there's so much to unpack and I think it is a show that has lasted. It stood the test of time. Oh, I think so. I think the fact that we just have talked about it for like over an hour says it. And there's, you know, people still dress up as the characters. There are so many memes. It's, it really has sort of transcended and it's just a really good show. It is. Yes, there's stupid shit in it, but it's really good. If you haven't watched Girls of Girl and you've made it this far. I'm sorry. So, yeah, we've basically disseminated many, many plot points with little to no context. But we've really said a lot of great things, I think. <laughs> unpacked. Um, but thank you for coming with us on this deep dive into the Upper East Side and the scandalous lives of uh, Manhattan's elite. We love those crazy teens. We hope you've enjoyed. We'll be back next week with another deep dive into someone we both very much love. So stay tuned. Yes. And uh, that's all. XOXO. Bye. Bye.